Hi, I'm so sorry about that. I don't know why it had me listening to music for a very long time. Um, my apologies. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think something's wrong. No um, but thank you so much. Thank you so much for uh, chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of uh, course. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> hanging in there. Just hanging yeah. in there, yeah. I think we all are a bit. <laughs> everything that's, that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know, so weird. Extremely, extremely weird. Uh, every day just keeps getting weirder, so. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, we're like, braced, we braced ourselves, like, okay, this is probably going to get worse before it gets better, but how are we going to manage that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're doing that in Ottawa as well, where I'm from, so. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I won't. It won't take too long. Sorry, I've already taken a bit of your time. No, um, no worries. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. No. Okay. Um. So yeah, I just have a few questions for you, just regarding a few different things. So I thought I would just start off with. I read a little bit um of your background, and um I, my first question is is just um I read obviously you grew up in a Hollywood family, but you guys emphasized your parents emphasized a lot of a sense of normalcy. So I just kind of wanted to know what that was like growing up with that sense of normalcy and how that's kind of translated into who you are today and who you are while you're working in the industry, if you could kind of comment on that. Yeah, um, well, so both of my parents are actors. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was mainly a model and then she became an actress a um, few years into her career. Um, but they both came from, you know, kind of nothing. My dad grew up on Catalina Island randomly Mm. Um, he was fourth generation there, um, to a boat captain and, um, a diver as a grandfather. So, you know, he grew up in like a small rural town and my mom's from a tiny little town in Iowa. So they both kind of came out of, you know, regular, the regular world and jumped into this industry. And I think for them, they really felt like they wanted to give their kids a sense of like a normal childhood despite their career paths um and so I guess for us that just really looks like you know as much as I was I was born in LA but I never lived here I lived in New York I lived in Florida I lived in Jersey wherever my dad was shooting but my parents were very sure that if we spent any lengthy amount of time in in LA that it would somehow like <laughs> poison the well so um so yeah we went to all different kinds of schools um, which also helped, you know, if they put us in mostly public schools, um, and then, you know, like a couple Montessori schools and stuff like that. So we were always meeting different types of people, normal people in the world and seeing different types of communities. Um, and they just, you know, put a big emphasis on, on equality and, um, and I think also the importance of the creativity of their work less than even the sort of like fame they really didn't care about it they didn't grow up with it and it was sort of like oh this is just a thing that can happen if you go into any creative kind of career but this isn't the goal the goal is the art and um and this doesn't make us or anyone better than anyone else um so I guess when I moved back to LA when I moved to LA at 18 um, I guess just the way I approached it was like what kind of projects do I want to do and mm -hmm. what kind of 
influence do I want to have artistically? I never felt that, I guess the point is I never felt um, that sort of, uh, I never felt that the fame, mm-hmm. of, fame of any kind was never the goal. It was never enticing to me, really. Um, so, yeah, so I, I guess it, it just, you know, my sisters and I and brother and I all just kind of, we were like little traveling six-pack, all of us, and <laughs> so I think it just kept us really valuing family and, um, and, and also I think just appreciating different types of people and different types of communities, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I resented them for a long time for not letting me act sooner than 18, but <laughs> then once I moved to L.A. at 18, I was like, oh, I get it. I, had a, I fell in with a bunch of kids, you know, that had, like, grown up in, in Hollywood, and the, it was clear that the sort of lifestyle was different for them and that their priorities had been different growing up mm-hmm. than mine, and I really actually ended up valuing mine quite a lot. So it was a long-winded answer. No, but it was a great answer. Um, when you kind of fell into those crowds, how did you kind of learn to, you know, take a step back and manage that and kind of go back to your roots, essentially, while you're, you've been working through the industry um, then, I guess? Yeah, I was at the time um, dating a musician, and he was gaining some, like, pretty quick success, and a lot of the people around us were, like, sort of, buzzy actors and stuff like that that were, that were coming up and sort of felt like, oh, I'm in the right crowd and I'm chasing this thing. And then, you know, you get into your mid-20s and you're sort of like, okay, how much do I want to be just chasing certain things and how much do I want to really feel like I'm growing into myself and I'm turning into the artist I want to become, the woman I want to become. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a certain amount, I think of just falling on your face, but <laughs> <laughs> not getting jobs you really want or being told no to your face a certain number of times. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to be told no, you know, every day for the rest of my life. What do I really want to be doing? Like, how can I really ground myself in myself as an artist um, enough to be able to withstand this kind of adversity? Mm-hmm. And I, I did read that you um, have dyslexia. Um, what was that like growing up with dyslexia and wanting to pursue, I know because you write as well, a career in the arts um, and writing. How did you kind of, like you said, you faced no's in other areas of your life. How did you kind of overcome that and learn to work with it? Um, well, one thing I, I really can't advocate for enough is I had really, really attentive parents. I got really lucky in that they noticed very early on, like, oh, no, this is not just a kid that occasionally, you know, at five and six is turning a letter around the other way. You know, it was, like, clear it was a mirror image. Um, so I can still to this day very comfortably write from right to left, mm-hmm. like mirror image, all those letters flip. Um... But, so they, you know, they took me into all kinds of, like, they took me to my specialist to try to figure out what was going on, and then once we figured it out, um, you know, you, you sort of work backwards, you know, no pun intended, like, <laughs> every, you flip every word and you flip every sentence a million times as you try to read a page until your brain sort mm-hmm. of, you train that muscle um, to read the proper way, right, left to right, mm-hmm. um, 
And what that did for me, as sort of challenging as it was and as hard as it was, um, it definitely helped me fall in love with all things literature because I had to work so hard to get the story. Like, I just had to work so hard to get through a page Mm -hmm. that by the end of it, it was like, okay, on this page, I've learned this and this and this about this story. And it it forced me to that outing. Um, which is kind of how I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it ended up kind of being a gift, just because I had I put so much attention into reading and writing that kind of became like my first love. <laughs> right. In a weird way. And I mean, I I don't act. I've never acted in my life. I played the role of a tree when I was in preschool, so I don't know a lot about acting. <laughs> um, but that's acting. That's acting. Okay, perfect. Um, how like. <laughs> I mean, it's all kind of interconnected then. Like, how does writing then kind of help you with your acting and your art in general? Like, how is, would you say it's kind of interconnected then um, as an art? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, yeah. As, it's interesting because, like, as a, as a writer, I tend to, the genre I tend to live in is romantic comedies. Okay. I was the groundlings for, like, four or five years, and... Um, I just really fell in love with comedy, and then also I grew up on the, you know, classic rom-coms of the 90s and early 2000s, um, and yeah, so I think as a writer, I tend to lean, lean toward comedy, but as an actor, I tend to lean toward, like, I never get cast, I rarely get cast as this, but mm. anything sort of complex and dramatic, mm-hmm. um, I lean toward, toward as an actor, but I will say, in reading a script, like, if I've been sent a script as an actor to read, I can't stop myself from editing it, <laughs> which is horrible. I'm like, oh, this scene would be so much better if I could just, like, punch up this joke or if I could, you know, um, clean up this dialogue. Or I don't really think a human being would say that like that. Yeah. Um, so you can't get rid of the writer in your head. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes great if, if your writer or director is willing to let you kind of change the line a little. And otherwise, torturous if they won't, because you just have to find a way to to make the line work. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely feel that as a writer myself, reading things that other people write. I'm like, but oh, you cool. could do this. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, why? Exactly. Um, I know you talked a little bit about when you were growing up, you know, getting to meet just regular people and seeing different human experiences. I know that you're very active in politics and advocacy itself, can you kind of just talk a little bit about what you're kind of involved in and the issues that you really, like, are passionate about and kind of maybe, like, why you think it's so important to talk about these issues, especially, like, that you have a platform, like the one, like, you do? Yeah, um, you know, I'm really, to be honest with you, I'm just really dipping my toe in now, Mm -hmm. but I would say probably where I'm most active is, um, sort of the women's role in Hollywood. Okay. It, it became apparent to me in my early 20s as I was auditioning, um, you know, that pretty much everything I read for was one type of girl. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it seemed like common sense, but when you're in it, you're sort of like, well, why? Mm-hmm. Why am I only reading for, of course I could dye my hair and play something else, but it's just so deeply ingrained, I think, in Hollywood that I... I I would put myself on tape for things that would require me to, like, dye my hair or simple, easy 
things to do if you're an actor. It's what you're trained to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was finding that I wasn't even getting my toe in the door there. And so for me, that's how it started. Was for me personally, it was like, wow, I wish that I really want to read for more complex, challenging roles. And then it started to become, well, wow, I really only see other white girls mm-hmm. in these rooms, which has it started to change. Um, you know, and then it was like, well, why am I only seeing women, you know, under 30 in leading roles in films? What happens to women after 30? Do they just go to, like, <laughs> some big, weird graveyard in Hollywood? Like, you're no longer youthful, so you're no longer interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that also bothers me because older women are just as interesting and just as valuable, and I want to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think they're beautiful, and I think they're interesting. So, you know, I'm just starting to really dip my toe into thinking out more about uh, seeing different, seeing more and different women on screen, and also behind the camera, um, but definitely in front of it, uh, different colors, sizes, shapes, ages, and bored with the sort of <laughs> one-size-fits-all kind of thing, which technically I... I sort of fall into it myself, but mm-hmm. I just, you know, I think the artist in me is just tired of it. Like, I, I really want to participate in a bigger conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the Oscars this year were really powerful because no female directors were nominated, yep. and <laughs> in the entire history of the Academy Awards, only five women have ever been nominated um, as Best Director, and I mean, I saw... I saw, you know, Alma Harrell's Honey Boy. I thought it was the best movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why was it considered? So I'm just dipping my toe into it now, but I'm, I have every intention of getting more and more involved um, and becoming more vocal about it. It's just, it's time. Along with Me Too mm-hmm. and Time's Up, like, let's, let's put new and different women um, on every set and every job, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I can't imagine, like, the pressure it is for women in a business and industry like Hollywood, which there's just so much, there's so much going on there, and, like, to you, it it is an art to you um, versus more so an industry. Even though you're just dipping your toe kind of into this sort of advocacy and this dialogue, just from being in the industry, what do you, like, what do you think they're, like, what kind of actions do you think need to be taken in order to get more inclusive inclusive sets and characters and casting and all that? Oh, I think it's super, super layered. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think, I think more, I think it's pretty systemic. So I think we got to take it all apart and put it back together in a lot of ways. You know, less women, less women are considered for big movie franchises Less women are considered, you know, it's just, it's just enough. Like, mm-hmm. I think on every single level, women need to be considered more. And if that means we have to, like, really push them and make every, everyone feel uncomfortable for a while, that's okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just think, like, casting, I think everyone's perspective needs to change. I think the way people are cast needs to change. Um, who's considered, the criteria on which they're considered, um, you know, I think if we have to get down to the brass tacks and really count out, like, how many women are on every single set, you know, let's make sure there's a minimum. Let's 
um, let's find ways to pluck really talented people, women, out of programs or whatever it is. But we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get the more female influence and more female voices mm-hmm. into this business now. For sure, I totally agree with you. Um, I know that you've got a new movie coming out, The Vanished. Um, can you maybe just talk to me a bit about your role as Janet in the movie? Um, or whatever you can talk about, like, say before yeah. the movie comes out. Yeah. Um, so I play Janet, mm-hmm. um, who's another mom in the RV park who thinks she's lost her child. Mm-hmm. Um, and the film, just, I don't know if you know much about it. I'm sure you do, but, mm-hmm. but the film was written and directed by my fiance. Yes, I did read that, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then and my dad has a pretty great role in it also. Um, so it ends up being a bit of a family affair, which mm-hmm. is really fun. Um, Peter put in a lot of years of effort to try to get that movie made, so it was so fun to watch. Um, but yeah, so I, I play a mom who's worried she's also lost her child, which, you know, I'm, I'm not a mom yet, but mm-hmm. I am a stepmom, and so it wasn't a big leap for me. <laughs> um, even the idea of losing losing Peter's youngest for a second makes me sick, so mm-hmm. it was not hard to jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you say you like a lot of rom-coms, but you like playing complex characters as well. Was this role different for you than other ones that you've played before? And if so, like, what about it and what did you like about it, playing this role? Um, well, I've never played a mom, so okay. that was interesting. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard because I have two loves. Like, I love comedy, mm-hmm. which couldn't be further from, you know, um, some of these more, like, dramatic, especially, like, thrillery movies. Um... But yeah, it was just it was just fun to play a mom, and it was fun to play really terrified. I don't get to do that that often. Usually, it's like a girl next door situation, so <laughs> I don't get to like really dig deep in there and find like a real fear about something that matters, like losing your child. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, it's like I'm like the mean girl in high school, or like mm. <laughs> something like that. Um, yeah, so in that way, this was really fun, and also it was just fun to say Peter's words. It was just fun to be part of something that I read on a page, you know, um, a couple of years earlier. Mm-hmm. And to see my dad read stuff that Peter had written was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine that would be really cool to work with your, your family. Um, so then I, my yeah. last kind of question then for you, just just to kind of end it off, is like what's what's coming for you and what's next in regards to acting and to writing? Do you have any further plans for the future? Mm-hmm. I, I know everything's kind of on halt right now, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, while we're still pretty much quarantined here in L.A., Mm -hmm. I've just been focusing mostly on writing. I have two scripts in the works. One is a a more, like, kind of traditional rom-com, and then the other one is a rom-com that's a buddy comedy to uh, young women. Mm. Um, So I'm I'm focusing on finishing those um, and hopefully coming out of quarantine with something to show for it (laughs) besides you know, um, new culinary skills. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I've been mostly just writing, and then as soon as it's safe to get back to work, um, and get back in front of the camera, I'm looking forward to it. But there have been little whispers here and there of, like, 
projects that are up and moving and uh, and some self-tapes going around. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that's a good sign. Yeah. Have you found quarantine to be good for being productive or in regards to like your writing and your work or not so good? <laughs> um, in stages, like mm-hmm. it's, you know, there have been moments when it's been easier. Um, and then definitely there's been moments when it's been harder depending on what's going on in the world and also what's going on in LA. Um, you know, with our numbers spiking, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely scary. So Peter and I kind of zone out every night and just watch something mm-hmm. <laughs> with some tea and just, like, forget about it for a little while. But we've both been pretty good about, um, he's been great about working out, which is annoying. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that I was... can't stop working out, which is not my problem. No. <laughs> I, I, um, I don't do that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, in, reg- yeah. in regards, um, yeah, sorry, you go ahead. Um, I was just going to oh, say, in regards to um, the, 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 what you're writing right now, um, you said there's a comedy about two women. Do you, because you have this, this knowledge and you're trying to dip your toes into um, more inclusive writing and casting and sets, do you obviously probably try to incorporate that into your own writing then? Yeah, big time. I mean, I would say the majority of the scripts I've written has been... Um, you know, very female-forward scripts, um, always starring a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just try to keep the... I, I just honestly, <laughs> you know, it's the fear of it being taken wrong. I, I really just try to stack the cast with as many women as possible mm-hmm. and fewer men. You know, still a, still a fully well-rounded, you know, film. You're not missing anything, but... But yeah, definitely, I just, and women in power positions, I try to write women in power positions, or I'm writing a, sort of have tabled it for now, but I'm working on a script about um, a woman, a 30-year-old woman who discovers that she she has to freeze her eggs, mm. like, very, very soon, or she, the pin will be taken off the table, and, and I started writing that because I just realized, like, wow, this is not something that anyone talks about because none of us feel safe to talk about it mm-hmm. and this is a reality for so many women and there's nothing wrong with it and there's nothing wrong with those women and so let's put it into the public consciousness you know mm-hmm. so I tend to try to write about things that that try to push our agenda mm-hmm. forward mm-hmm. you know normalize some things that otherwise have been um Give it a bad rap or sort of we're made to feel ashamed of in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the only way to, like, normalize things and get the word out there is to talk about them and make people maybe uncomfortable for yeah, a bit. Yeah, totally. Um, do you, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, do you, I know, like, uh, you say you try to take issues that people aren't comfortable with. Do you ever channel inspiration from your own life when you're writing these scripts? In your experiences? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I don't know any writer who mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, pull um, from their own lives. I wrote a script a few years ago, rom-com, about, um, about a, a female friendship that kind of falls apart. And then she has to find, you know, she wants to find new friends, but she's with an older guy who has kids. And it's a comedy and it's very sweet, but I, I wrote it because... I was experiencing it at the, at the time. And I've been with Peter now for a little over four years. Mm. And 
in the beginning, I met him when I was 27, and in the beginning, it was a, such a steep learning curve of like, wow, to go from, you know, living in a studio apartment by myself mm-hmm. to now in this relationship with these kids, these little girls, watching everything I do and the, the importance and the responsibility of that, and I took it so seriously that, you know, there was a lot of funny moments. I learned so much from them, though, that it was way less of me being a... a being a role model, and it was way more of these kids, like, enlightening me on the mm. importance of certain things and rearranging my priorities for me in this really beautiful way and and pushing me to grow in ways I really wanted to grow up. So mm-hmm. it was really special to me, and I just thought, like, wow, step-parents get a really bad rap still, <laughs> you know? Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're all co-parenting, and I just thought this, this sort of evil stepmom narrative has to end that parents do a lot and love kids just as if they were their own and it takes a village you know and that's mm-hmm. a modern family that's another one of the things that's like I guess a bad rap and, and people are uncomfortable talking about it but I think that's the only way to to get through it and to really be able to look at something for its own real value you know Mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the times it's the stepmom that gets the bad rap versus the stepdad in these sort of films I'm in TV totally. series. And yeah, I agree with you. And I'm kind of just thinking here, you said you said you like rom-coms and I love rom-coms too, but what are your kind of ideas on like the tropes of typical rom-coms that maybe maybe don't represent women in the in the best light and aren't as empowering? Because like rom-coms can be very empowering, but there's like also the, you know, some of them that I, I find that are almost taking a step back. What what are you yeah. what are your kind of thoughts on that going forward? Yeah, I think I definitely think that, you know, uh, traditionally in rom coms the woman the female character is like her quote unquote unlikable characteristics are very um, unrealistic or mild. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh she she trips a lot. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, she's very clumsy, or she forgets her phone everywhere. First is like humanizing that woman. Like, what's the real flaw? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely have never written a female character with any of those kind of tropey um, pseudo flaws. I, I don't think that they help us in any way to be like fully realized. Um, and also, like, the male character always gets to have horrible character flaws, like, actually, like, red flags, mm-hmm. and the girl just hangs in there, um, and that narrative's got to die, too, you know? It's like, no, it's, you've got to look at it for what it really is, and so I try to write strong, independent, autonomous mm-hmm. female characters in my script, um, but that's a really good point. There, There are a lot of a lot of elements of old-school rom-coms um, that are phased out and should be phased out, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that sometimes rom-coms kind of get a bad rap for that, but it, you, like you're right, it's definitely possible to create these actually realistic characters and realistic love stories that are representative of healthy relationships, I think. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's definitely... One of the important. things I love about Amy Schumer is that you know, she 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 represents real women, like like it or hate it. Mm-hmm. You know, real things, real feelings, real flaws. Um, 
So yeah, there, and it speaks to so many people, which is why they do really well, because I think a lot of women are feeling seen. Like, oh, wait, that's a, she's, this character is representing a real person versus mm-hmm. like, oh, this character is representing some pressure version of a, per, of a woman I'm supposed to aspire to be, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree, and I think it's... It's very important. I mean, growing up watching movies myself, it was really hard watching these perfect girls and wanting to compare myself. So it's as like I'm growing up and stuff and as I see more inclusive movies, I think it's definitely a lot more of a healthier way of going about things. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's having three girls watching mm-hmm. my every move has really <laughs> greatly influenced my own choices and make me question all like well wait you know i can't tell her to love herself if i don't love myself mm-hmm. i can't tell her to stand up for herself if i don't stand up for myself you know it's a, one of the really beautiful things about parenting i think so it's, it's a giant mirror <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so realizing these things as you're parenting is probably i obviously before you were writing inclusive stories but it's probably maybe even amplified that a bit in your writing to kind of be a bit more aware of those kind of stereotypes and tropes now that you are parenting if I'm correct oh for sure yeah Mm -hmm. I I definitely think about like you know body inclusivity and self-confidence and Mm -hmm. self-talk I like to write rom-com because you know, female lead um, on a journey to learn something new about herself, but ultimately, you know, I never, I've never written a script where a, a woman loves herself less at the end. Mm. You know, I think it's, it's okay. To, the, the point is to have flaws and, you know, um, to, the, the point is to grow mm-hmm. and to love yourself through it and to forgive yourself and not hold yourself to some standard that you know, we've been told by society or television or, you know, the entertainment industry or anybody else that we're supposed to try to reach. Um, yeah, it, it has definitely greatly influenced my writing because now, you know, they're a bit older, so they can read it. Mm-hmm. So it's important to me that they, when they read the inside of my head, that they understand um, if, if, if everything else is telling them to hate themselves, at least really not you know Mm -hmm. I think it's important there what you said about loving herself at the end and not actually losing that because so many times I think we see the girl kind of losing herself a bit in the rom-com and I think it's right so important to maintain that self-love through it all so yeah they usually lose themselves and then somehow the male character helps them find themselves and so that's annoying <laughs> very annoying <laughs> um yeah <laughs> well I I didn't mean I I said that was my last question a while ago but um I had some more for you and I didn't mean to take any more time there but I think oh, no. yeah I think that really sums everything up that I wanted to chat with you about today um so I really cool. appreciate that um and thank you so much for yeah, talking with me um yeah and yeah thank you and um sorry there was a little muddled <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Um, yeah, and good luck with everything, and congrats on your engagement as well. So, yeah. Thank you very much. 
Thank you, thank you. You too. Yeah, and good luck with COVID. I'm glad it's not nearly as bad as uh, <laughs> up there as it is down here. Yeah, yeah. It's I've been watching on um, the news, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can only imagine. I mean, it's it's spiking a bit here, um, but it's definitely oh, not really? as bad. Yeah, we've kind of phased into what we call phase three here. So we've been opening things again, but we've been just seeing the numbers rise. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... We're all in that, like, cool moment where we're, like, not sending them back, so what are we going to do? <laughs> They're actually sending the, the the kids back here, the younger kids, which a lot of parents wow. are um, really against, which I totally agree. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy times. Well, mm-hmm. stay safe, and it was lovely chatting with you. Was... And let me know if you need anything else from me. All right. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you too. Have a great day.